right, welcome to another Thursday edition of Hearts Home Half, hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart, now presented by my boys over at Big Dog Media. Go give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. They're trying really, really hard to grow that brand. So please go give them a follow at Big Dog Media on Instagram, at Big Dog Media Co. on Twitter. And if you want to find any of the Rays articles that I've been working on over at RaysColoredGlasses.com, you can find the link for any of those articles and any of the articles that my fellow editors put out on the site as well. You can find that link in my bio, my personal Instagram and Twitter bio at AustinHart24 on both platforms. So definitely go check those out. I should definitely be dropping uh, a new article hopefully very, very soon. As for this episode today, we're going to have a great episode. It's going to be really, really fun. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Rays and the Marlins matchup that just happened these past couple days. And we're going to dive into our first college football preview week of the year. Week one is about to get kicked off. Uh, FSU has already played. UCF is about to start tonight. And then two games on Saturday uh, for Miami and Florida that I wanted to talk about as well. So we're going to get into all of that right now. And we'll start out by talking about the Rays and the Marlins. Because since last Monday's pod, the Rays and the Marlins were playing another two-game series. Very similar to the one that they played uh, together back in May, and uh, they played that series in Tampa. The Rays took both games from the Marlins, and this series down here in Miami, and the same result occurred. The Rays were able to take both games from the Fish down there in Miami. They won the first game on Tuesday night by a score of 7-2, to two, and then 2-1 to one in 10 innings on Wednesday night. Um, Probably the biggest news, I think, coming out of this little two-game series here uh, is the Shane McClanahan injury. Some unfortunate news here. Yeah, scratched from his Tuesday night start. He had an apparent shoulder impingement, just underwent um, MRIs to confirm that and everything today. And unfortunately, that's going to sideline him for at least a couple weeks. Um, really, really unfortunate. Not something that we wanted to see with our best pitcher in the staff right now for the Rays. Um, but a bullpen day was able to come through in place of Shane for that Tuesday start. And uh, that was that was big for the Rays because the bullpen really put in a lot of work to be able to hold the um, hold the Marlins off for that Tuesday night. And Jesus Luzardo... For the Marlins, he didn't have his greatest stuff that that night, I would say. The Rays were able to jump all over him. They piled together 14 hits in total on the night. Jose Siri, he had a fantastic 3-for-4 night with 3 runs scored and 2 RBI. Randy Arozarena was 3-for-5. Yandy Diaz was 2-for-3. Just seemed like everybody wanted in on the hit parade. It was going really, really well for the Rays offense, I will say. Um, and unfortunately for the Marlins, they didn't really see much of anything come together in this game. Um, just some lackluster hitting and pitching all the way around, just not being able to overcome uh, the hot hitting Rays and the, the pitching performance they were able to piece together. In the second game of the series on Wednesday night, Drew Rasmussen for the Rays. He was as sharp as you could be for this for the Rays through six innings, only seeding Miami's only run from a John Bertie solo shot in the sixth inning. And in the top of that very same inning, Harold Ramirez hit an RBI double to open up the Rays scoring. So after that, we're tied at one throughout the entire rest of the game until we get to the 10th inning. 
Manuel Margot comes up for the Rays in the top of the 10th and would continue his hot offensive year. Stayed very, very clutch for the Rays and drove in the go-ahead run on a single to right center. Jalen Beeks would come to the mound for the Rays in the bottom of the inning, and he shut down the Marlins. The Rays are able to come away with the season series sweep, taking all four games played against the Marlins this season, 4-0 and against Miami, and the Rays are now six games back in the division race, inching closer and closer to those Yankees um, from that 7.5 back uh, mark we, to- we were talking a little bit about on Monday. So starting to close the gap on that. Very, very exciting past couple days for the Rays to keep themselves in a great, great position amidst the playoff race. And unfortunately, as for the Marlins, they are just starting to completely fall out of it and not have too much of a shot at the playoffs as of right now. So with all of that talk of the MLB, let's switch gears now and let's talk some college football. I am so, so excited for football to be back. And we're going to have to talk about all these teams here in the state of Florida this week one getting underway. I'm so, so pumped. Some really great matchups to talk about. Um, So let's dive right in and let's start off by talking about a team that's actually already played the FSU Seminoles. So they literally just played their first game last Saturday against FCS opponent Duquesne who came to Tallahassee to play them, and the Knolls smashed them. 47-7 was the final score. Uh, a surefire tune-up game for this FSU squad, who I think needed a little bit of confidence starting out on the right foot this season. Um, I think this offense, or this offseason, has been filled with a little bit of turmoil. Uh, I think mostly surrounding the head coach, Mike Norvell. His, his lack of recruiting, I think, has been the big thing that everybody's talking about. You know, especially with the with the talent level that he's acquired compared to what Cristobal has done in Miami, what Gus Malzahn's been able to do at UCF, what Napier's starting to do at UF. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good things coming out from a lot of other schools in the state of Florida, and I, I think there are a lot of fans and some people out there definitely critical of what Mike Norvell's been able to do in terms of that recruiting space. So he's just going to hope that it's uh, he's able to shut those critics up by his performance of his team on the field this year because I'm sure he's going to be sitting on the hot seat throughout most of this year anyway. Um, but I will say there's nothing but good things to report from that first game in Tallahassee. Like I said, 47-7 to thumping. The offense looked very composed throughout the entire game. The rushing game was phenomenal. I mean, three different backs had over 100 yards rushing for the Knolls, two of which actually averaged over nine yards a carry. So that's an incredible performance by the by the running backs in this game. Jordan Travis also looked very nice at the QB position for the Knolls. He went a nice 11 of 15 for 207 yards. No TDs or picks or anything like that, but very efficient leading this team on all of his drives early enough. Uh, to put his team up big and get out of that game by halftime. Just let his uh, let his backups get some work and get some snaps and uh, feel good about that week one performance. It, again, it's against an FCS team, but you have to feel good about the performance that he was able to have, um, yards he was able to throw for, 11 for 15, very good completion rate. Um, and on the other side of the ball, the defense, they performed as they should have, honestly. You know, they only allowed a singular touchdown in favor of Duquesne all afternoon. Um, so they were able to do exactly what they were uh, they were thought of going into this game. 
FSU, though, they're going to be traveling to Baton Rouge for a very tough week two, a lot tougher than this week one. They're going to be traveling to go face LSU. Going to be a very, very interesting matchup in week two, so I can't wait to be watching that game uh, next week. All right, let's go to Gainesville now and talk about the Gators because this could quite possibly be not only the biggest game here in the state of Florida in week one, but possibly around the country. I mean, there have been a lot of people talking about and buzzing about this game taking place in the Swamp. The first game under the Billy Napier era, the Gators are going to be hosting the number seven ranked team in the nation, the Utah Utes. It is quite possibly one of the biggest non-conference games UF's hosted in some time, honestly. I mean, this is huge. There's so many people talking about what an opportunity this is for both sides. Uh, For the Gators, I mean, Anthony Richardson, he's going to get his first start under Billy Napier. His first season home opener in front of 90,000 sold-out crowd in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. I mean, there is a lot on the line here in this game. It's the number seven team in the nation in Utah, quite possibly the top team in the Pac-12. I mean, the Gators are expected to lose, especially according to Vegas, the Lions. I mean, the Gators are not expected to win this game, even though they're at home. But I'm going to say that if the Gators pull this off, they're able to get a great win over these Utah Utes. Um... Let me let me just say, shit is going to flip on its head. I mean, a massive win over a top 10 team in the Swamp, the Gators are going to become way more of a story in the eyes of the, of the national media. Billy Napier's rebuild could now be expected to maybe go way quicker than they thought, and expectations are now going to get heightened for the Gators immediately, and maybe even a ranking could be in the UF's future. I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to be a whirlwind of emotions either side this game lands on. You know, even if they don't win, there might be some people saying, oh, is, you know, people are going to be out there trying to question the head coach and question now what everything, what is going on with the team if they lose week one to the number seven ranked team in the nation. It's going to be a tough battle. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be one of the best games in the swamp in a long time. I mean, that place is going to be freaking rocking it's i'm very very excited to be able to watch that game but prime time 7 p.m i mean it's not going to get any better than that go gators looking for them to get a massive massive win over the utah utes to start out the season as for miami the u they're gonna finally get their mario cristobal era kicked off at home against Bethune-Cookman on Saturday. That's pretty much a tune-up game for them. Uh, They're they're ranked number 16 coming into uh, this year so far, and they're the only team in Florida to have a ranking in the beginning of the season. So there's a lot to expect from this team. They had an extremely successful offseason in the transfer portal as well as in the recruiting game. There's a lot to like uh, with what Cristobal has been able to do right here and kind of turn around the program ever since he's taken it over tyler van dyke the qb of the hurricanes he has a lot of expectations surrounding him as well former acc rookie of the year he's gotten a lot of weapons added to this offense to be able to stack around him there's a lot of potential here for not only be for not only miami to be able to win the acc 
But they could be a national contender in Crystal Ball's first year. I think they could be headed in the right direction. And they just got to be able to get out on that right foot against Bethune-Cookman in the first week. And according to ESPN Football Power Index, they actually have a 99.8% chance of winning this game. That'll be kicking off at 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. And for the last team in the state of Florida that I wanted to talk about, UCF, last but certainly not least, they're going to get their season kicked off starting tonight at 7 against FCS opponent SC State. This is another tune-up game likely here for the Knights. Um, they have a lot to achieve here under Gus Malzahn. They have a lot of expectations going into this year. Uh, Gus has continued to work the transfer portal really hard. He's catered the idea of NIL to the players really, really well, and he's just gaining a lot of traction in recruiting. Eventually, UCF, they're, they're going to be a top target to have to compete with for players here in the state. And uh, I, I think this game is pretty much going to be a cakewalk for them. They were able to name John Reese Plumley their starting QB. He's a transfer from Ole Miss. He got the start over Mikey Keene, who led the team last year following Dylan Gabriel's injury and then departure from the team. So I think there's a lot to like in the talented Plumley. He can utilize his mobility to his advantage. And I think UCF, they definitely want to step out on the right foot as well this season. They're looking for an American Conference Championship this year. Remember, they're going to be joining the Big Ten next year. So they like they would definitely like to make a statement this year in their final year of, of being in a very weak conference that they feel like they've been dominating alongside Cincinnati for some years now. They want to be able to claim that championship and go into the Big Ten Conference on a high note. Or not the Big Ten, Big 12. I'm so stupid. Big 12 Conference. I'm so silly. They're going into the Big 12, not the Big 10. Sorry. Um, but yes, when they go in there, they want to look for some traction. That's that's literally what they're looking for, trying to end out uh, their time in this conference on a really, really high note. So that's pretty much going to round it out for this episode of Hearts Home Half. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in for this episode. I really, really appreciate it. Really pumped for this week. Uh, and all the college football that's going to get kicked off, we are in for a wild, wild season. And we are going to cover it all, every episode here on the podcast, every Monday, every Thursday. You can find it here. And until the next Monday's episode, I am Austin Hart, and I will see you then.